Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker, and we are cruising through retirement. You know, a lot of people ask me, when is the best time to retire? And there's really no right or wrong answer. So on today's show, we're going to highlight some things you can do now to help ensure that you and your finances are ready when you take that big step into retirement. You found Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin Brooker, of course, is here, as he always is. Kevin is a fiduciary investment advisor representative. You'll find him at Silverleaf Financial. You'll find his website at silverleaffinancial.com. He is an author. He's got more than 30 years in this business and uh, so much more than that. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hey, Steve. I'm doing great. It's always good to be here. And, uh, you know, this will be, uh, this is going to be, well, they're always fun. I always have fun when I do these shows with you because, I mean, there's, it's just so wide ranging. We can, well, you know, you could do whatever you want. (laughs) And (laughs) and I just, and I just follow along. I like it. Hey, you know what? That's perfect. You know what? We like to cover a lot of different topics. You know, I want to try to, I want to keep it interesting, right? And I try to address things, you know, different issues that people might come across. Sure. And, you know, the majority of folks that I work with are, are either, uh, you know, within, let's say, five years of retirement, sometimes a little bit younger, of course, uh, or they're already retired. Um, and I do get, and I ha- happen to have a lot of, uh, I've got a lot of great clients that refer their kids to me. So that's when I, when I do have some, some younger people as well. Um, but, you know, as you're getting ready to retire, you want to make sure you take a look at, um, you know, you want to prioritize, right? You want to prioritize the things that you want to spend money on, uh, you know, so that you have a list and you want to try to keep it as simple as possible. Uh, because the simpler it is, the easier it is going to be to make it happen, right? Sure. And so, if you haven't already done it, you know you, you want to do the math on your on your uh, on your budgets on what you have coming in, what you have going out every month. You might want to think about whether you're going to downsize, right? Are you going to stay in the house that you raised the family in, uh, or are you going to downsize like a lot of people do? Maybe you, maybe you're in the Midwest or a different part of the country, and you want to move, want to move someplace where it's warmer, like beautiful Arizona. Uh, where not only do we have beautiful weather, but we know the real estate really makes money too. So just thought I'd put that, thought I'd put that out there. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Phoenix is a pretty hot market just in general. It is a hot market, literally and figuratively. Right. I wasn't um, trying to make a pun there, but you know, hey. <laughs> yes. And 
Uh, it's been it's been crazy. You know, the real estate market has been has just been phenomenal. And 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 I think it's a big part because this is an area where where we have um, people migrate to. You know, they don't migrate away like the state that I came from, Illinois, uh, has been consistently losing residents for years and years and years uh, for various reasons. Uh, but Arizona and Phoenix and Maricopa County in particular, which is one of the biggest counties in the country, you guys might know, um, we've, we're seeing an influx of between 80 and 90,000 new people every year. So that's, you know, 85, 90,000 more are moving in than are moving out. And, and so it's essentially a little city is it being added here. You know, and, and of course, when uh, when the pandemic hit and COVID hit, uh, that's you know, sh- slowed down. I shouldn't say stop, but it seriously slowed down construction, uh, which means we simply have a shortage of homes. And um, so that's that's driving, you know, supply and demand. Right. It's driving the prices. Uh, but I don't think you should put all your money into real estate. OK, I just want to mention that. Um, I, I do think it's important that you think about the size of your house, whether you need that big of a house. Uh, and, and, and with regard to your property tax bills, do you have an HOA? All the expenses that come along with the house you're living in now, take a look at it and see if it makes sense. Because one thing that I tell everybody and that I told my wife before I moved to, you know, to our current location is that there's one thing that we know is that your taxes and your fees and your costs are only going to go higher, right? They're only going to go up. Of course. So, so my advice is to, to, to find the place that you're comfortable living in that has the lowest possible you know, tax burden. You know, because if you can start off at a lower number, then you know you're going to have a leg up on uh, on the competition, so to speak. So I think it's important to take a look, but also with the house, you know, the size of your house is going to dictate the cost of your insurance. You know, your homeowner's insurance, how much it would cost to you know rebuild the place. Obviously, if you're in a three thousand square foot house versus a fifteen hundred you know square foot house, it's going to make a big difference on the insurance as well. So it affects your taxes, your insurance, your utilities, all up and down the board. That's the first thing I would suggest to take a look at. Uh, and, and see if it makes sense to stay there or if maybe you might want to move, uh, especially if you have a mortgage. All right. Um, one other thing I would like to mention is with regard to debt, in my opinion, I, I, I ideally you don't have any debt when you retired. Ideally, you got rid of all your debt by the time you're, let's say, 55. Uh, and that includes a mortgage. I think, you know, paying interest, all you're doing is you're making somebody else wealthy. You're making the bank wealthy or the banker wealthy, but it's not you because you're paying those interest charges. I hate it. I can't stand paying interest. It drives me nuts. And so I do everything I can to eliminate debt. Uh, If you guys do have any debt, if you're carrying credit card or any other type of revolving line of credit, make sure you're paying, paying, you know, the extra payments are going to the highest interest rate. So you're eliminating your highest interest charges first. And uh, if, if it's necessary, create a spreadsheet. You know, if you have several cards, put them on a spreadsheet and, and tackle it and, and attack it like, like you, you know, like there's no tomorrow. Because the sooner you can get rid of that debt, the sooner you can convert that money into savings and building up your retirement. And it's just such a relief to have the debt gone. I mean, it's very empowering as you start to whack that debt down. Oh, no question. No question. You know, and, and, and I've done it in the past. I mean, you know, we've all we all have to do that at times, depending on what's yep. going on in your life. You know, and, and so you always want to have the credit cards and you want to have that credit available to you. You know, maybe it's a line of credit. Maybe it's a credit card. But of course, the best thing is to pay off the entire balance every month so that you don't have any finance charges. And if you're like me, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the cash back cards, you know. Yeah. So so if you pay it off every month, you don't get any uh, you don't pay any interest or finance charges and you get, you know, one and a half, two percent cash back, whatever your card will give you. Um, you know, some have more for different categories, things like that, you know, but that's free money is how I look at it. You know, it, it's free money. And, uh, you know, if you like to fly or travel, you can do points programs. There's all sorts of you know perks out there. 
Uh, so take a look at that because that can make a difference too. You know, like, like just today, I, I have mine set up so that every time it gets to a hundred bucks, it automatically, you know, goes towards the credit on my, on my uh, credit card. I got an email today. Say, Hey, congratulations. You just earned another hundred dollars. So <laughs> wow. I, I think it's great. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get that if it wasn't for the point, the cash back on your credit card. Yeah. Wow. hundred bucks. That's real money. It is real money, right? That's, <laughs> Dang. It all adds up, right? Yes, it all of adds course. up. Of and, course. You know, so that's what I like to do. I just, I just get cash back on my card. Well, again, so we're talking about, um, you know, maintaining lifestyle in retirement. That really is what it's all about. And that's one of the things that you understand so well and, and can kind of help craft that plan around that. Yes, you know, because we want to look at the first thing we take, take a look at when we sit down is, you know, the in, your sources of income, your expenses, and then your per personal balance sheet, right? So it's all of your assets, all of your liabilities. We want to look at the whole picture. Uh, and of course, we want to make sure that we're factoring in and budgeting uh, and planning for you to have a good time. You know, to me, that's the whole point of retirement is to be able to spend time doing the things you truly enjoy doing all day long, as opposed to having to spend a big chunk of it, you know, working. And, and you know, if you're fortunate enough that you have a job and you're still working and you really like your job and you really like the people that you work with, oh my gosh, by all means, keep on working as long as you can, because you, I would say you're blessed. If you are honestly, if you love, like I meet some people, they say, I love my job. You know, I got great people that I work with. I love my job. I say, that's a blessing. You know, not everybody. In fact, I'm going to say the majority of people probably wouldn't say that. So I think if you're fortunate like that, I would encourage you to keep on working because even an extra six months of work can make a big, big difference in your retirement plan, you know, as you go forward. Well, and again, you know, to, to the, to, add that on to the whole debt thing. If you're out of, if you don't have any debt and you decide to work for another six months or 12 months or 18 months, well, that money can all go straight to retirement. Yes, that, that's exactly right. That's right. I, you know what? I say that to my mm. wife. All, I say it to my <laughs> wife all the time because I want her to be programmed the way that I'm programmed. And that's every dollar that I can save on pretty much everything, whether it's a couple of bucks at the grocery store, it's a few dollars at the gas pump or, you know, whether it's electric, whatever it is whatever, you know, like the hundred bucks cash back on the credit card, any money that I can save on my bills is going a hundred percent towards my retirement. And, and, and I want her thinking and on that page too. And that's a big thing guys. If you're married, you know, everybody that's married out there, I'm hoping that you're having conversations so that you're both on the same page with regard to planning and prioritizing and making sure that you're both are doing everything you can to get there. Not just one of you, everybody should be working as a team to get to that goal. And make sure you talk about, you know, what are your plans for retirement? Because they could be far different from your wife's plans, right? right. And, so, and, and so you should have that conversation as soon as possible, in my opinion. Um, and hopefully everything will line up just perfectly, um, you know, but, um, but it is important that you know exactly what your spouse is thinking, because obviously you both want to be happy. You both want to enjoy your retirement. And it doesn't mean you do everything together, um, but you want to make sure that you both have a good time and you can do what you want to do. I think there are some couples that, you know, never combined finances. Is that, do you, do you see that at all? You know what I see? I see it more with couples that have gotten together later in life. Okay. You know? Yeah. All right. That's, that's um, where I was headed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, most of the people that, that get together, you know, I don't know if we want to call it traditional, but they, if they get to, if they got married in the earlier mid twenties, late twenties, 30 years old, typically they'll combine their finances and do everything jointly. But, but usually the marriages that take place, let's say after the age of like 35, those folks are a lot more likely to keep their things separate. Okay. But that can work too, can it? it you know what? It, it, it can work out fine both ways. It all depends on your priorities and what you have going on. 
you know, the other thing with second and th- second or multiple marriages is is whether there are kids involved, especially, you know, from previous marriages. And then you get into the stepkid thing. Uh, and, and that's where it does get complicated with regard to beneficiary planning and wealth transfer. And, and so sometimes there can be good reasons to keep the finances separate because, you know, maybe some maybe maybe if you had a previous marriage, you might want to leave money to your to your kids with a previous marriage. But maybe your new spouse wouldn't want to do that. Right. And so I do think that make, it can make sense sometimes. Um, but if you get all the way down to the point where you're filing your tax returns, married, but filing separately, that can bring a lot of other complications you might not want and you might not realize. So I, I would recommend if, if that's where you're at to talk to your accountant or your tax person and make sure it's beneficial to file that way because there are drawbacks that because uh, I've got a brother that's in that situation. And and I know he's he's running a few, a few uh, problems he didn't anticipate. Right. By filing separate. By being married and filing separately. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, <clears throat> again, it, it just it depends on the situation. And, uh, you know, when it comes to retirement planning, it also be, depends on the situation, right? I mean, we've gotta, it, you've got to yes. know what's going on. No question. No question about it. And that's, what, and that's why really, as, I've, as we've talked about before, you know, I, I think in a lot of situations, it makes sense to have a team of professionals, a team of advisors. You know, let's say you have an attorney and you have a person that does your taxes and you have a financial advisor. You want us to all work together, right? We, we want us to be in com- communication with each other and to make sure that we all that we all know exactly what's going on, what the goals are, what we're trying to accomplish, uh, so that we work together. And 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 it's it's not a competition type of thing. It's a team is what we're trying to do. You want to want them to work as a team. And I think that if you have those people, you know, on your side, in your, you know, we used to say in your Rolodex, um, you know, so you've got them, you've got them in your contact list in your phone now. <laughs> yes. yes, you do. You know, those are great resources, you know, to, to use and, and having, you know, guys having a financial advisor, it's not just about managing your, your investments. Uh, we can help with anything financial, anything financial at all. I encourage my clients to, to use me as a resource, whether you know, second opinion uh, for whatever it's worth. It doesn't matter if it's something I, I'm directly involved with. Uh, I think any financial person is, is probably got a good amount of knowledge about all things financial and you should use them, use that resource, you, use them as a resource to, to uh, figure things out if you have any questions or you're looking for a different opinion on something, even if they're not directly involved with it. Right. And, and again, as we, as we kind of go through all of this, um, yeah, we, we covered debt. We did, uh, you know, we talked about streamlining things and, you know, we've got to save uh, just because we're living longer. That in and of itself means we've got to save more. Oh, no, no question. No question about it. In fact, that, you know, one of the things when you're doing your retirement planning, and you're, and you're trying to figure out, you know, how you know how much every month uh, can you spend, and where's it going to come from, and things like that. Uh, we're of course looking at growth. We want to balance the portfolio. We want to moderate the risk or eliminate the risk. Some people don't want to take any risk, you know, in retirement, which is fine. There's way we there are ways we can do that too. Uh, but it's important that you look at the factors that are that are going to have a big impact on on uh, on the final numbers, um, because if you get them wrong, you could wind up in a bad spot. And one of those is estimating life expectancy. Every plan you put together, you have to estimate life expectancy. And, and so obviously we can, we, can be way, you know, we can be way off the mark depending on what might happen because none of us know, right, that, that when that day is going to come. You know, and a lot of times I'll say, I'll say to people, you know, I think we should use 95 or 96 as, as a life expectancy. Um, and sometimes I would use 100. You know, if somebody tells me they've got relatives that live past the age of 100, then I'm going to recommend they plan, that we set this thing up to last to age 100. All right. You want to look at your family tree, in particular, your parents and your siblings, what health they're in, what, how long, how long they lived, you know, things like that. And I think that can give you a good idea. Um, I will tell you as the husband, 
of somebody that's adapted, it can be very difficult if you're adapted. Okay. Especially if you're, you know, if the adaptive parents don't have those records from your natural parents. So, so there can be complicating factors, but one thing you look at is life expectancy. The other factor you put in there is you have to, you have to project, you know, an estimated amount of growth. So what's the rate of return on your portfolio? You know, if you estimate 8% and it comes in at six, that could, that could derail you as well. Right. Yeah. And they, they, and these are reasons why you want to revisit that plan and make sure you're going back uh, so that you are on track. Uh, and also take a look at the inflation rate you're calculating. A lot of people, if you go back two or three years, you're, that your advisor, I'll bet you, was calculating inflation between two and three percent, right? But I have would we hope seen at least that? Yes. But have we seen what it is now? Eight, eight, eight <laughs> percent. We just we just had a reading of eight and a half percent. Oh, right? goodness. So hopefully, you know, we all hope that this inflation is not going to stay as high as it is. It's not going to keep going up at, at the rate that it is. Um, but the prices that things have gone to, I'm of the opinion, they're gonna, there's going to be some elasticity there. In other words, they might give a little bit, but I don't think we're gonna, they're going to be going back down to where they were a couple of years ago. Sure. Uh, I wish they would. But, right. but that's a very important thing you factor in your plan. But do you think that, uh, you know, just based on that, do you think that we have sort of reached a peak in terms of inflation, in terms of, you know, just inflation, I guess, is that because I've read a couple different articles that have said, yeah, we're probably at or near the peak and it's not going to go down much, but at least it's not going to go up. Yeah, I, you know, it feels it feels like we're close to the peak. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to go so far as to say we are there because, okay. um, it, it, you know, there, there's a lot of things the previous administration did that I didn't like, and there are things the current administration does is doing that I don't like. Um, I wish they'd get rid of the mask mandate, first of all, not to get political, um, but I'm tired of it. And I think anybody chose not to get a vaccination, then you're taking the risk. You made the decision. Right. So, you know, let me let me leave the mask off. Uh, but this other thing of extending this pause on student loan repayments for their for student debt, that is going to contribute more to inflation. And I don't know why the administration is doing that. I think if you're going to forgive somebody and make it easier to forgive debt, how about give? How about retire? How about forgiving the medical debt of somebody that's retired, that's on a fixed income, right? That doesn't have a whole career in front of them. That right. to me would make a lot. That would make a lot more sense to me than okay. So you're going to take away, you're going to eliminate or pause the debt of somebody that just graduated college that should be fully prepared for a very successful career. I I just. I think it's misplaced, but what's going to happen is that money that should have been going to paying down the debt, now it's going to stay out in society and it's going to be spent. And so all these, all these folks are going to be using that money to buy stuff, which is going to contribute and keep the pressure on inflation, uh, which if you guys remember the textbook definition of inflation is too many dollars chasing too few of goods. Yeah. Okay. So by extending that moratorium on the debt payments, they've effectively pushed more dollars out into the economy, which in my opinion is going to is not going to help the inflation picture. Let me say it that way. Okay. So one of the things that we talk about, Kevin, is is financial literacy. And we were talking before the show, and what's the word you prefer rather than financial literacy? It is financial. It is empowerment. 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 Okay. So a financial empowerment. But but that comes down to education, and that is one of the things that you do, uh, you know, at Silverleaf that, that is, I don't want to say it's different, but I'm saying you spend a lot of time teaching. <laughs> because it's, you, it, it makes sense because you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And it's better right. to know it. <laughs> and thank you for telling me. No, oh, no question. No question. And that's, you know what, I, I, I like to help people get the education and, and get the answers to the questions that they have. Uh, because I think it's important that they that they understand it's not, it's not that that my clients, you know, I don't expect, you know, anybody to, to go deep, deep, deep into the details. 
because they've got a job, they've got other things. And if they wanted to do that, they, they, a lot of them will say, well, what do I need you for? All right. But the fact is you want to have the basics understanding, right? You want to have a basic understanding of the, of the general concepts and things um, because as a client, it makes it easier for the advisor, you know, when the client is more informed, um, you know, it's an e easier on the relationship and, and, and also it makes more sense in terms of everybody understanding why we're doing what we're doing it and why we're doing it when we're doing it. Sure. And, and, and so I think it's important to, to get that information, to, you know, learn as much as you can, as much as you want and, uh, you know, and take advantage of the resources. And Steve mentioned one of the things that on my website, you know, the silverleaffinancial.com website, we've got a lot of resources. We're always trying to update it. We're always adding new content. So there are blogs on retirement that, you know, you could spend days and days reading if you'd like to. We've got videos and we've got all and we've got the last 10, 12, 15 shows as well that are on there that if you don't want to read, you can just sit back and listen. Sure. So, you know, to one of the podcasts. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of information out there. So by all means, go to the website, check it out. And if you do have any questions, certainly feel free to just send me a text or shoot me an email. So we're talking financial empowerment or well, and, and again, they, they call it financial literacy, but that is a big topic out there. And uh, former Senator Heidi Heitkamp, uh, she's from North Dakota. She was a senator in, uh, from North Dakota. Uh, she was also attorney general in North Dakota, but she is now dedicating her her life basically to teaching people about finances and, and really how to survive. Well, we haven't been financially literate for a lot of years. When I was attorney general, I would just shake my head when I would see the kinds of scams people would fall for. You know, we could educate seniors not to buy into the Nigerian scam, or we could start at the beginning. You know, how do you buy insurance? You know, how do you file your, your tax returns without spending $500 to do it? And there really was not an appetite within the education system to actually build out that kind of classwork. And as a result, we continue to fall further behind. You agree with that? You know what? I agree. I agree 100 yeah. percent uh, with what she's saying. Um, I think it's and I think it's a shame. Personally, I think it's a shame we don't have more focus in the education system on financial matters. I, I, I think it should be taught along with, you know, with reading, writing, arithmetic, finance should be right there in grade school is my view. And, and I, I think that's a big, I think that's what contributes to the problem and why she's saying, you know, it hasn't gotten any better be, because it hasn't changed in school. And, and uh, so, so I think it's important. I don't like, you know, I prefer empowerment over literacy because to me, the literacy thing, it, 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 uh, it's almost offensive in that it suggests, you know, we're illiterate. And I, I think that empowerment has just, uh, to me, it just sounds better. It has a better connotation to it. Yeah. And uh and I think when you have this knowledge, it does give you a, you know, a feeling of empowerment because you know what you're doing. And, and I think that's a good thing. And I think that if people, you know, if, if you pay more attention to, to some of these things, and if, and if we started to teach kids about these things, you know, then, then we'd all have a much bigger base of knowledge. And I think that would be a good thing, you know, because one, what, something that I notice, um, there's a lot of people that I'll work with and, and we all have limited time uh, to do things and to study things. And, and, but I'll meet a lot of folks that are very successful in their careers, you know, highly paid, highly compensated, very successful executives, things like that. Um, but their financial knowledge can be limited, can be very limited. And, and it's surprising, in fact, sometimes, um, because some of the mistakes that they've made, I, I'm surprised that they've made them, if I could say it that way. Sure. Um, and, and, and one of the biggest ones is not being aware of the fees, not knowing exactly how much you're paying for whatever it is you have. 
Um, and, and, and I think a good advisor is going to be transparent about those things. You know, like when I suggest something that if there's any built-in expenses, I'm going to cover them. I'm going to tell you exactly what they are because you should know. Uh, sometimes there are, you know, the old thing you get what you pay for. Sometimes things that have, that can be more expensive are worth it, but a lot of times they're not. And, and I'll tell you one key example. I see a lot of people that have variable annuities and, and, uh, you know, you guys know, if you've listened to the show before, I've talked about annuities before. I believe in a lot of cases they can be very good, but I'm referring to something called index annuities. Those are the ones that I like, or I like the fixed, uh, fixed rate annuities, which is just like a CD pays you a set rate of interest. You know, like right now we can get three, a 3% guarantee for three years. Guaranteed, no fees, no charges. It's just a plain vanilla fixed, in, uh, fixed interest rate. Uh, but the other category is a variable annuity. And those are the ones that typically have a lot of fees. And I've seen fees in these expenses that can exceed 4%, sometimes 5% a year. And guys, think about that. If you've got $100,000 in that contract, that could be costing you, you know, if it's five grand, you're talking 400, over 400 bucks a month. You know, and- the last time I checked, that's a car payment. Okay. Yeah, so, no kidding. I mean, it's it and and over time, if you have more than that, I've I've recently met some folks that have you know close to a million dollars in these contracts. Think about that. They're paying forty thousand a year in expenses uh, for what? And and so um, you want to make sure exactly what you're paying for, and and that it makes sense for your situation. And so it's important that you understand the fees. You know, wherever it is, because with a variable annuity, for instance, you've got something called the mortality and expense ratio, which is usually like one and a quarter right there. That basically, that, so it pays your death benefit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's nothing extra. It just pays you the account value in most cases. Uh, but you've also got subaccount fees because you pick things like mutual funds that are inside the variable annuity. They look like mutual funds, but we call them subaccounts. Um, but the thing is, you know, something that really tricks a lot of people is that you could have a, a, a subaccount with the exact same name as the mutual fund but it has a totally different expense ratio. In other words, the one inside of the annuity is probably a lot more expensive than the fund that you could, you know, that you see trading in the stock market. So they play a lot, I hate to say it, but I feel like they play a lot of games with these things. Um, and a lot of these fees are hidden. They don't send you an invoice. They don't show you how much you're paying. You have to dig in the prospectus or dig into the contract. You know, it's probably buried behind 40, 40 other pages of things. So this is where a good advisor can help. They can help you avoid getting involved with these products if it doesn't make sense for you. Uh, or if it does make sense, if, if you want guaranteed income, which is something that a, a lot of annuities can provide, not all of them, uh, but a lot of them, if that's something you want, then it can help you find one that does it in the most efficient way, meaning it doesn't charge you an arm and a leg to do it. Those are the things that we need to know. And that's, I mean, again, that goes back to education. No, that, that's right. No question about it. And, and, and you know what the, the education doesn't have to be something that 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 takes, you know, days and days and days. And you're not you tested know? at the end, right? No, and there's no <laughs> test at the end. That's the good news. There's no test. If it, if, how about if we do, we'll give you a multiple choice. How's that? Perfect. All right. All right. So no fill in the blank. All right. So, uh, you know, but what I like to do typically in the process when I sit down, you know, the first meeting is usually just to get to know each other, uh, just to see if we're a good fit, talk about philosophy, overall, overall strategy, things like that. The second meeting, we'll go into more details, talk about possible solutions, you know, and, and then the third meeting, you know, that's usually when we will be uh, implementing the ideas uh, or maybe we'll have further conversations and maybe do that at a fourth meeting. Um, but that's usually it's usually three or four meetings. And with me, those those are usually about an hour and a half a piece. OK, mm-hmm. so um, that's where we go through and we talk about different issues. And it's a great opportunity to bring up any questions that you have. 
Um, but any questions, you know, at, once you're working, you know, like with my clients, it's not a situation where I, I, I'm going to disappear. I'm going to stay in touch with emails and newsletters, phone calls, and I'm just a phone call or a text away anytime that something comes up. And if you don't have a relationship with your broker or with your advisor, you know, I met somebody last week that, you know, they haven't talked to their broker in years. And, and some people want that. That's some, some people are fine with that. But, but if you think you want more, more contact than that, maybe it's, time, maybe it's time for a switch. Maybe it's time for somebody better. So p- feel free to give me a call. I'll be happy to, to give you a second opinion and answer any questions you have. 800-975-6717 is the phone number you can use, 800-975-6717. Or just visit the website, silverleaffinancial.com, silverleaffinancial.com. So, Kevin, the uh, the market this week was looking pretty good until long about Thursday. and <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I mean, yeah. there was, it seemed to be making a bit of a recovery, and, and it, it sort of stopped, huh? It- it, it, it did. I'll tell you what. In fact, I saw some some strategists, uh, some stock pickers, you know, a lot of them like to look at the moving average prices. For those of you that pay attention to this stuff, the S&P 500 uh, has been bouncing just above and, and now just below its 200-day moving average. Uh, and a lot of people use that as an indicator of whether the market is healthy or unhealthy. And the theory is that if it's above its 200-day moving average, it's healthy. And so earlier in the week, or end of last week, I was getting buy recommendations saying, hey, we're above the 200 days, time to buy. Well, guess what? This week they came out, so got to get out, got to sell because now we back down below the 200 day. And so I don't, I don't trade like that. Um, but my point is the, that if you do, it can whipsaw you really fast, very quickly. And, 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 and that's exactly what's been happening. It's because there's so much uncertainty and, and we've talked about it before. And, and I'm going to say this time really is different. And, you know, don't, don't throw an egg at me or anything, but, but, because I don't like saying this time is different because usually it's not. All right? Yeah. However, so, but, you, but it's interesting to hear you say that because, you, so you really think it is different this time? I, I, I really do because un, until somebody can tell me or show me when our federal, you know, our federal reserve or a central bank, show me when they've done, taken the actions that they've taken in the last few years. I don't believe there's any other time in history, for instance, that the central bank has been buying corporate bonds. I don't think they've ever done that before. Now, if I'm wrong, by all means, please, somebody let me know. Um, but I'd also don't recall them sending out stimulus checks like we have over the last few years. Right. Um, you know, and I don't recall the Fed balance sheet ever being at $8 trillion, which is where it's at now, if I'm not mistaken. It generally was in the $3 trillion, maybe $4 trillion range. But that extra $4 trillion, guys, trillion with a T, that's, that, that has got to come off of that balance sheet, which means it's got to be sold. Or it's just got to be, or they're going to let it just uh, mature out, you know, and, and go off that way. So in other words, think about a bond that they bought with a two-year maturity. Rather than sell it, they just let it mature in two years and, and you know, uh, be done with it in that way. Um, but the fact is, they're going to be raising interest rates. And, and something that spooked the market this week, which we all, in my opinion, they sh- everybody should have known this because all, all sorts of uh, Federal Reserve governors have been talking about raising rates. Uh, Bullard came out. And saying he thinks we can, they might do 75 basis points in one move. Um, and now Powell came out and said he's grown more comfortable with the idea of moving faster, quicker, and bigger increments too. So that's what kind of spooked the market in the last couple of days. Um, but guys, the thing to remember is that although these, uh, these moves are extraordinary because, you know, what's happened in the last few years, I mean, let's face it, it hasn't happened. You know, we haven't had a pandemic like that in a century. Um, you know, I don't, we've never had a situation where the entire world shut down like it did when COVID first hit. 
And, and, and so all of these supply chain bottlenecks we're seeing, um, you know, the war in Ukraine from Russia, uh, all of this is wrecking havoc with the market. And now the situation with China, you know, and how they shut down the entire city of Shanghai, for instance, which I want to say the population is like 25 million. Yeah. It's one of the biggest cities in the world. Right. All right. And, it, and I believe it is the biggest shipping port in the world. And it's shut. They shut it down for like three weeks running now. So we don't know how that's going to impact the market. But I personally think maybe the market's underestimating the impact that could have on, on China's economic output. So that's another thing that's out there. And that's why I say these, it does feel different. So when you look at your portfolio, if you feel like you're taking too much risk, you're losing too much money, that might be a good idea to sit down with me. Let's talk about it, see where you're at, and see how we can maybe reduce your risk or maybe reallocate your funds so that it doesn't have so much volatility and you don't see such crazy swings in your value of your portfolio. Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, host, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, members FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. 